Men's and women's college basketball have crowned their champions. The Masters, Charles Barkley, Sam Darnold is now a Panther, and Major League Baseball has moved its all-star game. The Valley Sports Talk begins right now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the LaValley Sports Talk Podcast brought to you by the Silent Network. As always, I am your host, Chris LaValley. Hope you all are doing well and staying safe. College basketball have crowned its national champions. March Madness is officially over. Congratulations to both Baylor and Stanford as they are the new college basketball, or excuse me, the reigning college basketball national champions. So I'm going to break down the Final Four for both the men's and the women's, and then we'll discuss the, uh, the national championship game. So in the men's Final Four, UCLA and Gonzaga played one of the greatest games of all time. Gonzaga won at the buzzer 93-90, to and Baylor blew out Houston 78-59. to That game was terrible to watch. In the championship game, I figured Gonzaga was going to go all the way. I thought that the momentum from beating UCLA was just going to carry them, and Baylor absolutely beat down Gonzaga in the national championship game. Like, Gonzaga never, never led in the game. Baylor just absolutely embarrassed them throughout and uh, it's a disappointing end for Gonzaga. Gonzaga is always the bridesmaid. They're never the bride. And it's it's too bad. You know, I was really rooting hard for Gonzaga. I was hoping to see them actually finally get over the hump and not only get over the hump, but do it in, in an undefeated season, which they would only be one of one of a handful of teams who have ever done that. And, uh, you know, but you got to give you got to give credit to Baylor. Baylor was clearly the better team and kudos to them for winning the championship. We go to women's, and UConn and South Carolina both lost in the Final Four. UConn did not play well against Arizona. Arizona just, I talked about this on Rich Malala, Arizona completely outclassed UConn throughout that game. Paige Beckers was held to under 25 points, which meant that UConn had no shot. I mean, Beckers is, is UConn, and if Beckers isn't scoring and isn't able to facilitate and do what she needs to do, UConn had no chance. And South Carolina barely lost to Stanford. So Stanford eked out that game. And then the championship game came down to the number one seed at Stanford versus the number three seed at Arizona. Arizona was making their first championship game appearance. And Stanford once again squeaked by Arizona 54 to 53. Now, I'm going to give Stanford all the credit in the world. They won the championship. But here's the deal. Arizona deserved to lose that game. They should have won that game. Their play calling at the end of the game was absolutely pathetic. They gave the ball to um, Ari McDonald, who is easily Arizona's best player. Uh, She's a tremendous point guard, not taking anything away from her skill or ability. But this falls both on McDonald and and the head coach, by the way, who I can't think of her name. Um, Her name is escaping me at the moment. But the fact that you come out, so there's, I think, four seconds left in the game, four or five seconds left in the game. They call a timeout. Stanford has the, I mean, excuse me, Arizona has the ball. They're down by one. Everybody in the building knows the ball is going to McDonald. That's their best player. And Stanford knew that too. Stanford triple teamed McDonald once she got the ball. There were two players wide open. And rather than looking for the pass, McDonald just chucks up a shot off balance and was going, you knew as soon as the shot went up, she was going to miss it. There was no, there was no way in hell that ball was going in the basket. And I, I just I just sat back and, and just thought, what the, what the hell was that? You had the opportunity to shock everybody. Nobody expected Arizona to be in the Final Four, let alone have an opportunity to win a national championship. 
nobody, even in the promo, even in the promo for the final four, uh, the NCAA didn't even put Arizona in the promo for the final four, which was disrespectful in and of itself. And they were in the final four for Christ's sakes, and they still didn't even put them in the montage. So nobody expected Arizona to be there. And rather than stun the world, they completely came up short. Just piss poor coaching and terrible execution by Arizona there. And to be honest, Arizona blew so many opportunities off of Stanford turnovers. Stanford was up, I think, by like 13 points in the first half or first quarter, rather. And then Arizona got right back in the game because Stanford kept turning over the ball. And rather than executing on that, Arizona was taking terrible shots. Arizona thought that the only way to get back in this game was by popping threes. It was just terrible. It was terrible execution. I know I'm going on and on here more about the women's game than the men's game, but I mean, mainly because the women's game was a better game than the men's game. I mean, like I said, Baylor just beat down Gonzaga. Stanford and Arizona was a close game throughout, but Arizona should have won this game. Like that, I mean, and that and that's what I came away from that game. I'm sitting back going, Arizona was the better team. If they executed, they would have they would have blown out Stanford had they executed. Stanford was turning over the ball like it was their job. So at the end of the day, Arizona should have won that game. It was terrible coaching, terrible play call, and and horrible execution by their best player. You know, I, I heard a lot of people defending McDonald after the game saying, oh, you know, she just she just made one mistake. Well, yeah, she made one mistake. That's a massive mistake to make, though. It's a massive mistake. You're triple teamed. There's got to be somebody else open on the court. There has to be. If you've got three defenders on you, that means that there's at least one, if not two players that are open somewhere on the court. And if you're the star player of the team, which McDonald is, you should have the basketball IQ and the know-how to find one of those open players and get a better shot to win the game. But anyway, so congratulations to Stanford. Congratulations to Baylor. And before we move on to some NFL talk, I want to discuss Charles Barkley's comments. So during the men's Final Four telecast, Charles Barkley, who is who is part of the uh, the halftime and pregame show, proved once again that he remains the best commentator in all the sports. Whether we're talking sports, news, any type of media, it really doesn't matter. Barkley is just, he's always authentic and he's always right. Like he always seems to get it right. I talked about him last week and I'm bringing him up again this week because once again, Barkley took a minute to share his thoughts on the state of American political on the state of the American political climate. And uh, this is what he had to say. And I quote, I think most white people and black people are great people. I really believe that in my heart, but I think our system is set up for our politicians, whether they are Republicans or Democrats to make us not like each other. And so they can keep their grasp on money and power. Politicians divide and conquer. I truly believe it in my heart that most white people and black people are awesome people. But we are so stupid following our politicians, whether they are Republicans or Democrats. We don't live in their neighborhoods. Let's make whites and blacks not like each other. Let's make the rich and poor not like each other. Let's scramble the middle class. I truly believe that in my heart. End quote. I, again, Barkley gets it. And this, this is actually his comments really are echoing after what Major League Baseball decided to do. And I'm going to touch on Major League Baseball in my Everything is Stupid segment. But he's 100% right. If you haven't figured it out now, our political climate really has turned into right or wrong, left versus right, 
you're either a Republican or a Democrat. You're no longer allowed to be a moderate anymore. It's completely an early tribal at this point. And Barkley seems to be the only commentator in sports or in the media, for that matter, who's willing to just be honest and authentic and good for Charles Barkley. That's why Barkley, by far, is my favorite commentator in all, in all of media at this point. Because he doesn't give a shit what you think or what anybody else thinks of him. He's just going to tell you straight up like it is. And Charles Barkley's uncancelable. Uncance- and I think that's, that's the best part about it is you can't cancel Charles Barkley. Because, A, I don't even think Barkley has social media, number one. And number two, he really doesn't care what you have to say. So he's going to ignore you anyway and do what he wants. So good for Charles Barkley to be the only honest broker in all of media. Sam Darnold is officially a Carolina Panther. So the Carolina Panthers traded for Sam Darnold. They gave up their sixth round 2021 pick, a second and fourth rounder in 2022. So let's break this down. This is a great, great move for Sam Darnold. He'll finally be on a team that wants him. The Jets clearly didn't want him over at least over the past year or so. They, they definitely were looking um, at ways to move on from him. And this is a great pickup for the Panthers. Uh, they don't completely bludgeon their future for a quarterback. So they don't, they don't have to mortgage anything. They don't have to give up any first-round picks to get a good and competent quarterback, which I truly believe Sam Darnold is going to be a good quarterback. I'm not saying he's top 10, but he has the potential to be there. Again, you don't know. You don't know because Adam Gase was at the helm for the Jets his entire career. And we already saw what happened after Ryan Tannehill, or with Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill gets away from Adam Gase, and all of a sudden Ryan Tannehill's got statistics that put him in the top 10 over the past two years of quarterbacks. He's actually, if, if you really dig into the numbers, Ryan, Ryan Tannehill statistically is a top five quarterback. So uh, this could be the same thing. The same thing could happen for Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold, it's the Adam Gase effect. Sam Darnold leaves Adam Gase's offense, horrific offensive si- system, goes to a brand new system, and he could flourish there. The Jets... This also means, this, this trade means that the Jets are certainly drafting a quarterback at two. Like, there's no question about it. Very likely they're going to go with Wilson from BYU. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll shake things up and take Justin Fields. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but they could. I mean, it, it really comes down to the Jets are sitting in the catbird seat here. They get to get who they want. They know they're not getting Trevor Lawrence, but they get to sit back and take whatever quarterback they want. And from everything that I've read, everything that I've heard, it's going to be Wilson. The Panthers are very likely not going to be drafting a QB this year, which means that they're not going to be trading up like a lot of skept- a lot of people thought that they would trade up to to get a Q- or at least to be in the comp in the um, you know in the running for one of the QBs in the draft. Now, if I was Carolina, I would trade back. You don't need a quarterback. You have you already have a pretty damn decent offense. Why not trade back? Collect more draft picks so you can now build around your core. You've got a quarterback and you've got one of the best running backs in football in McCaffrey. I just I think this is a home run for the Carolina Panthers. And think about that division. Drew Brees is no longer a saint. Tom Brady is going to be there for what? couple more years but there's no guarantee that the bucks are going to be the bucks 
after next season. I mean, next season, obviously, the Bucks are going to be the, the, the class of that division. But that's not going to last forever. And Atlanta, you, you can never count on Atlanta, unfortunately. And Matt Ryan is only getting older. Matt Ryan's only going to be in a top quarterback in this league for a couple more years. So Carolina has all of this momentum right now and all this opportunity to build a team right now to compete over the next four, five, six, seven, eight, nine years. I mean, Darnold's in his early 20s. It's not like Darnold's 30. Darnold is just getting started. So this is a huge move for Carolina. I mean, I love it. I love it for Carolina. I love it for Sam Darnold. And honestly, I like it for the Jets. You know, the Jets, the, you, you don't have to worry about the drama, the, the, bullsh- the, you know, the bullshit that you would get in New York of if Sam Darnold's out there and Sam Darnold struggles, immediately the fans are going to call for the other quarterback. And you know how the teams are. The teams are going to capitulate to what the fans want. And there's going to be a quarterback controversy. Now you don't have to deal with that. You don't have to deal with it. It sucks for the Jets on, in, in this one aspect, though. You drafted Sam Darnold in the first round. And your compensation back is a sixth rounder this year, a second and a fourth rounder. So you don't even recoup a first rounder for Sam Darnold. That stings a little bit. It does. I mean, it has to, right? But overall, I just think this was just, this was just a good move overall for everybody. So good for Sam Darnold, great move for Carolina, and good for the Jets. You moved off, there's no drama, and now you can just focus in on the future, which will very likely be Zach Wilson at quarterback. Charles Barkley, as I indicated in the first segment, hit the nail on the head when he talked about how politicians in our country are more interested in sowing division than they are in creating unity. Regardless of what the president said to you during his campaign speeches, regardless of what Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, uh, Mitch McConnell, and others will tell you when they're on television, they're not interested in what's best for the American people. They're interested in what's best for themselves. And what's best for business in Washington is to create as much division as possible. Major League Baseball moving the All-Star game from Atlanta to Denver has furthered that divide within this country. Major League Baseball made an error in judgment, a huge error in judgment, based off of a lie that was pushed about the Georgia voting bill. Now, you can have your own opinions of the Georgia voting bill, and I'm not going to sit here and talk about the Georgia voting bill in detail. I've done my research on it. I know that a lot of what was pushed out by the press by calling it Jim Crow 2.0, which is what the president said last week, is nothing short of irresponsible, and it is a lie. If you dig into the voting bill, you realize that the Georgia voting bill is less restrictive than many other voting laws throughout the country, specifically in states like New York, New Jersey, Delaware, and Colorado, where Major League Baseball moved the All-Star game to. Now, I was going to spend this segment initially breaking down the voting bill, talking about how the lies of voter suppression just weren't true within the bill, that you know the voter ID laws are still less restrictive in Georgia than they are in other states, and all this other stuff. And then I was going to talk about where Major League Baseball went wrong. I'm not going to do that because I feel like that's going to be preachy. You're going to have your own opinion regardless of what I say. And frankly, you should have your own opinion regardless of what I say. Everyone has their own values, their own beliefs when it comes to 
the voting rights in this country. What I really want to focus in on in this segment is talking about how the President of the United States made a mistake by making the statements that he made last week. Again, all but telling Major League Baseball to move the All-Star game out of Atlanta when he went on ESPN and had that interview with Shade Steele. And the fact that Major League Baseball caved to the social media mob and did just that. So this falls on two people. This move falls on two people. It falls on Joe Biden and it falls on Rob Manfred. There's also other individuals involved, other politicians and stuff like that that you can blame as well. But the two main people that I think deserve the blame here is Joe Biden and Rob Manfred. Now, I already explained why Joe Biden's at fault here. Rob Manfred didn't do his research. He decided to move the All-Star game from one state to a state that's even more restrictive with its voting rights laws. And immediately people have called him out for it, and they should. Not only that, but he took, he took money away from predominantly minority-owned businesses. Over 50% of the businesses in Cobb County, where the All-Star game was being held, are of minority ownership. Over 50% of the businesses. And then in Denver, where the All-Star game is going to be held now, over 70% of the businesses are, are from white individuals. So you're upset about a voting law because you feel like it's, it's a Jim Crow relic. And, you, and your reaction to that is to take money away from people who you believe are being oppressed currently and giving it back to the people that you believe are the oppressors. How the hell does that make any sense? You know, rather than making a knee-jerk reaction, perhaps you should do some damn research. If you're going to move the All-Star game, at least make it and do it correctly. Not only that, the city of Atlanta, specifically that county, Cobb County, is losing over $100 million of revenue. $100 million that you have now taken out of the pockets of these individuals. Everyone in this country is, is reeling from the pandemic and trying to, to pick up the pieces, specifically small businesses. And you've now taken that money out of that economy because you disagree with the voting bill. A voting bill, by the way, that the majority of these small businesses probably had no say in. Like you're talking about the fact that you're upset with the voting law and the, and the, voting, the voting bill. Well, if you believe that that voting bill is going to restrict those individuals from actually being able to vote, why are you turning around and punishing them for a bill that they apparently had nothing to do with? Because if you believe in Stacey Abrams' claims and Joe Biden's claims that there's voter suppression in Georgia, well, those specific minority groups whose money, whose businesses you've now allowed to continue to flounder because you've moved the All-Star game out, according to them, they never even had the ability to vote in the first place. So you're punishing them even further. Do you see how warped and fucked up that is? You don't even, you're not even standing up for, the, for your principles at that point. You're claiming, again, you, Rob Manfred, and all the people, this also, you know what? I'm going to broaden this out even further. It's not just Joe Biden. It's not just Rob Manfred. It's also the media. So all the people in the media, Jamel Hill, I'm going to call her out right now because she's, she has been at the forefront of saying that they should move the All-Star game out of Atlanta. You are punishing 
the same individuals that you are claiming are being oppressed in that state because of this bill and the same these same individuals supposedly would have voted for Stacey Abrams and made Stacey Abrams governor, according to Stacey Abrams, if they had the ability to vote. You're punishing those people because of a bill that the that the legislature pushed through that you that they supposedly never even potentially had the power to make happen because they weren't able to vote in the first place. I know it sounds confusing. Let's break this down step by step here because I know I'm, I'm going all over the place, but let's let's do this real quick. Okay, so according to all the people out there who are against the voting bill, right? They're stating, including Stacey Abrams. So Stacey Abrams, let's start from the beginning. Stacey Abrams claims that there's voter suppression in Georgia, okay? And that the reason why she's not governor today, even though she lost by over 40,000 votes, she says that the reason why she's not governor is because of voter suppression in Georgia. Okay. Georgia, so then the people that are currently in power in Georgia would not be in power otherwise. So you would not have a majority Republican um, legislature in Georgia because of voter suppression. So therefore, that voting rights bill, really all the minority-owned businesses, because according to Stacey Abrams and Democrats, if you're a minority, that must mean that you're definitely going to vote Democrat because that's what they believe. So let's just say that's true. The minority-owned businesses in Cobb County had nothing to do with that bill. Because they weren't able to either vote A or B. They didn't vote for the Republican legislature. You then are upset with the voting rights bill that has now been passed by the Republican legislature. And in order to punish the state, you want to pull out the all-star game. Okay? Because that's going to prove a point. But really, who are you hurting? You're not hurting Brian Kemp the governor of Georgia, he gets to keep his job. He's getting paid. You're not hurting anybody in the, le in the legislature. They're still getting paid. Who are you hurting? You're hurting the same people that you claim to care about. By pulling the all-star game out, you are now costing that county over $100 million in revenue. So really, who are you helping? And then it makes me wonder, who do you guys really care about? All of these virtue signaling blue checkmark people out on Twitter, Rob Manfred and others, in high positions of power, who do you really care about? You care about yourselves. You care about your bottom line. You don't care about these people. You don't give a shit if they vote or not. You just care about power. And that's what this all comes down to is power. And the reason why you know it's about power is because now all of a sudden, Democrats are freaking out and trying to walk back those statements made by Joe Biden last week because they realize that they have now alienated a huge swath of voters in Georgia. So originally it was okay to move the all-star game up until they found out that it was going to be a political liability. And now they're concerned because now Joe Biden has come out and talked about the reason why they don't, they shouldn't move the masters out of Georgia is because he doesn't want to hurt the, the small businesses or the businesses in general in and around Augusta. So you see how this is played? You see how the con is played? Is It's only an issue if it's going to be politically expedient for them. But the moment it becomes an issue, well, then we have to do everything that we possibly can to try and make it right. And this isn't just a Democrat thing. Republicans do the exact same thing, which again leads to what I said earlier in regards to Charles Barkley, who once again was 100% right. 
His only error is that he should have broadened out his criticism further. It's not just the politicians, but it's the media. And it's the media influencers that use their bully pulpit to try and influence every decision that is made throughout this country. And what they do is they try and virtue signal and step on the throats of businesses to try and get them to boycott you if you don't do what they think is politically correct, even if it means that they're punishing the same constituents that they claim to care about or the same individuals that they claim to care about. Again, you took $100 million at least. Some say it's in excess of $190 million, but let's just say $100 million away from majority of minority-owned businesses, and you are now giving that money to a population of over 70% of white businesses. So do you really care about those people that are marginalized? Or do you just care about looking good? Because Rob Manfred, who is opposed to this voting law, is a member of Augusta National. Do you think Rob Manfred's going to rescind his, his membership at Augusta National? One of the most exclusive memberships in, in the world? You think he's going to rescind his membership at that golf course? Because of how offended he is by the Georgia bill? Of course he's not. Because again, it's not about, it's, it, it's not ab- about principles. It's about virtue signaling. So at the end of the day, the only people that really lose out here are the fans of Atlanta, are, are the fans and, and the individuals who live in Atlanta, the Atlanta Braves, all the people that work at the Atlanta Braves Stadium, and all the majority minority owned businesses that are losing out on over $100 million. So congratulations to Rob Manfred, to President Biden, and to everybody else who completely fucked up this situation. I hope you guys are happy. Because once again, you've proven not just Charles Barkley, but every other individual out there who has said time and time again that politicians don't give a shit about you because they don't. All they care about is power, and they'll do everything in their, everything possible in order to keep that position of power, even if it means hurting those individuals that they claim to care about. So the second part of my Everything is Stupid segment this week, I want to touch on the Michael Rappaport and Kevin Durant. Uh, beef or whatever you want to call it that took place last week. Uh, so those who, um, if you're unaware, Katie and Michael Rappaport went back and forth uh, through some private DMs. I don't know if it was on Instagram or Twitter or whatever the hell it was. And Kevin Durant went completely over the line with some of the stuff he was saying. He, he wrote some homophobic stuff. He wrote a few other things that were extremely vulgar and completely and utterly out of line. The NBA fined him $50,000 for him. Um, and uh, I think the NBA should have gone further than $50,000. He probably should have been suspended a few games because some of the stuff he said was pretty egregious. With that being said, I am and, and moving forward here, I am not defending KD whatsoever. Okay, I just want to put that out there. I am not defending KD. However, I am going to defend KD in this essence. You do not take screenshots of a private trash-talking thing between you and another dude and put it up on social media. That is my only defense of KD is that what Michael Rappaport did was completely what what while what KD did said was out of line. What Michael Rappaport did was out of line. And now I'm going to crush Michael Rappaport. Michael Rappaport is somebody who has a podcast, who's had a podcast for years now and who's created this following on social media as this big tough guy. This New York guy who 
trash talks. He was big and, and blustery and brash. And, oh, yeah, he doesn't take shit from anybody. And, oh, you come and you say that to my face. He's that kind of guy. Well, KD flat out said in those messages, all right, let's go. Let's meet up. I'll, next time I see you, I'm going to spit in your face. Pretty much telling him, I'm going to kick your ass if I, the next time I see you. Just you and me one-on-one. And Rappaport ran away like a scared little little bitch. That's what he is. Michael Rappaport is, is nothing more than a giant pussy. He's not a tough guy. He's sure as hell not funny. Have you ever actually listened to Michael Rappaport? He's not funny whatsoever. He's gained... A lot of people find him funny because he made fun of Donald Trump. Dude, that's, that's low-hanging fruit. Every late-night comedian was making fun of Donald Trump. So Michael Rappaport jumping in on the bandwagon and making fun of Donald Trump... I don't just I don't understand how anybody finds him entertaining or funny whatsoever because his jokes aren't original. Like I said, he's just loud and obnoxious. Just absolutely loud and obnoxious. And it gets even better, too, for Rappaport. So after Rappaport did all this and again, he acts like a big tough guy. Dave Portnoy from Barstool (laughs) decided to release the deposition that he had because Rappaport sued him. Or there was some sort of lawsuit with Barstool because Barstool fired him because he sucked at what he did. And because there was this controversy about something going around at Barstool that was su- supposedly defamatory of Michael Rapoport. And <laughs> Portnoy releases the, desp- the deposition tape between him and Rapoport's lawyer to only show that. Rappaport's lawyer, A, was either unprepared or B, Rappaport didn't tell him the whole story and Portnoy completely wiped the floor with with that attorney. So Rappaport is not a tough guy. He's a coward. He either runs to social media to try and get people to pile up against one individual when he's stuck in a corner. So Rappaport doesn't even have the courage to actually fight his way out of a paper bag. He gets backed into a corner. He gets scared. He either runs to an attorney or he runs to social media in the hopes that all of his fans will back him. Well, unfortunately for Rappaport, his fans did not back him. In fact, I think he lost a tremendous amount of fans in the process. Because people, there's a lot of things, I'm speaking as a guy here, there's a lot of things that as far as guys go that, you know, will back most individuals for a lot of things. But, publicly screenshotting or making public a private conversation between you and another guy is not something we're going to back. So I have a group text with my friends. And if they said something that offended me, okay, that was just completely over the line. They said something to make fun of my wife or my kid or my dog, whatever, whatever. And I found it completely offensive. And I turned around and I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to show these guys. I'm going to screenshot it and throw it up on social media. They would probably stop talking to me forever and rightfully so they should because I have not only violated their trust but I violated a a private contract that I've made with them and you got to think about it this way is that if you're privately DMing somebody or you're private messaging or text messaging or whatever it is more than likely you're having a you're signing a, a an, an involuntary or a voluntary not involuntary you're signing a voluntary contract with them pretty much saying, look, you know, what I'm saying to you is going to stick between me and you. Otherwise, we would just have this conversation on Facebook or on Twitter 
or on Instagram. Like we would write in each other's comment sections to make it public. But if you're doing it in in a private, hence the name private DM, or you're doing it through text messages, obviously you're doing it because you just want it to be the group of people that you're talking to. So again, for Rappaport to just completely take something that was in a private conversation and throw it up on social media is the ultimate push move. So I am all for everybody piling on Michael Rappaport because he is a giant and utter coward and he deserves everything that's coming his way. The Masters is this weekend and I'm excited. Favorite golf major of the year, top three sporting event of the year for me. I just, I look forward to this every single season and uh, I can't wait. I cannot wait. By the time this podcast is available, the first round will be in the books. So I said on Ritual Lala, I don't want to, I don't want to pick who I think is going to win because I'm like the kiss of death when it comes to golf majors. Every time I pick somebody, they end up just completely falling apart. I will tell you who I am rooting for. Okay. So I've got five or four. We'll do four because that seems to be, if you go on like DraftKings, you can pick like your four people who you, who you would bet on. So I'm going to give you my four people who I'm going to bet on. So this way I'm not just restricting it to one person. So maybe my kiss of death won't be so bad that I knock out four people, maybe only one or two of them. So my four, my four people that I'm rooting for is obviously Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy. Those are my two guys. I root for them all the time. I'm also going to be rooting for Brooks Kepka. Kepka is coming off a of surgery. Originally, it didn't look like he was going to be able to play. It now looks like he is going to be able to. So I'm, I'm rooting for Kepka as well. The other guy that I'm rooting for, because I don't think anybody's giving him a shot in hell, is Phil Mickelson. I want to see Phil Mickelson get back into it again. And I think this would be the opportunity for him to do it this year. It would be really cool to see him have have a Tiger Woods type of run in the Masters. It's obviously not the same thing. Tiger Woods is Tiger Woods. But you get what I'm saying. You get the older golfer, the guy who's on the back nine, let's say, of, of, uh, of his career. And to see him get like that one more big major would be awesome. So I'm rooting for those guys. Who do I think is going to win? It's kind of hard not to bet on, Justin, on, on Dustin Johnson repeating. It's hard not to bet on uh, even Justin Thomas. I mean, just Thomas playing phenomenal golf. A lot of people are picking Bryson DeChambeau. I'm not seeing that, guys. I, I just don't I don't see DeChambeau finishing. He's never finished in the top 20, I believe, or even in the top 30 in the Masters in, in, his, uh, in his career. Now, again, he's a completely different golfer than he's been in the past. He's won a couple tournaments. He's won a major. So, you know, maybe the uh, his mindset going into Augusta will be different than it's ever been for him in the past. But I just I don't buy into Bryson DeChambeau winning this weekend. Um, so you know, honestly, I don't know who's going to win it. I'm not I'm not going to pick a winner. Obviously, we already know where that's going to turn out. Uh, but I will just say that I'm I'm super excited for this. If you guys have the opportunity to sit down, obviously, if you don't have time before Sunday, it's not a big it's not that big of a deal. But if you do have a moment or two on Sunday. Sit down and watch some of the Masters. It really is one of the best sporting events of the year. It's just so much fun. And there's just so much pageantry around it that it makes it really does make it unique and special. So uh, here's, to, uh, here's to another great year at the Masters. And um, you know, we'll break it all down next week. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the LaValley Sports Talk Podcast, brought to you by the Silent Network, as always. 
Thank you so much for tuning and listening. I greatly appreciate it. Please be sure to check me out on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and review. And while you're there, we've got plenty of other podcasts for you, including Drinks with Dan, Spaceball, Richo's Rant, and Richo and Lala. Hope you all enjoy the Masters. Be well, stay safe, and I'll talk to you all again next week. (laughs) 